but we are confident that our membership and what they bring to businesses is such an extraordinary asset that once these companies learn to work this way, um, they will be satisfied with what they get and realize what they're missing by not engaging this workforce. Hello, welcome back to I Want Our Job, the podcast. Today, we are continuing our series on ladies creating flexible job opportunities with Jenny Galuzzo and Gina Hadley, the founders of Second Shift. We love the mission of Second Shift to retain critical female talent in the workforce, benefiting women, employers, and their families financially, creatively, and culturally. Prior to founding Second Shift, both of these ladies had vibrant, fulfilling careers. Jenny was a news anchor, reporter, and producer, including working as a reporter in the Bronx, hosting a show in the Hamptons. And Gina was a marketing expert with experience in brand strategy, and she also had her own consulting business. In this call, we talk about how they started their business, the Lean Startup Way, thoughts on the future of flexible job options, and Jenny and Gina have excellent advice on founding a company. They talk about the research they did, how they tested the concept first for a year, and they have a contagious passion for recreating the job opportunities available for women. As Gina says, they are creating the supply and demand for project-based flexible work. Let's get started with these fabulous ladies. We're, we're so thrilled to have you with us today. And so um, let's just get started right away. Can you please tell us about all about Second Shift and how you founded it? Sure. The Second Shift is a, is a digital recruiting platform connecting women who are professionals in marketing and finance with projects and part-time work. We founded the company two plus years ago and um, it's really been taking off and is very exciting for us. Um, and when we started the company we had an idea that sort of been branched out from something that we had been working on personally and um, thought how do we take this nugget of an idea and create it on a bigger platform. And um, it took us, like I said, two years to get it going. but. Um, but we started really small and then we grew it really organically and I think that's been the one of the major factors of our success. Great and and one of my questions was going to be how long did it take and um, so it sounds like it was two years and can you tell us about what was the process of getting your first couple clients and how were you able to, to get it actually running? So when Jenny and I first started talking about the second shift, it came out, it came about from conversations that we were having over and over again with these incredibly experienced, educated women who had had careers and were having a very hard time figuring out how to balance work and life at a very specific point in their careers. So what we started doing was talking to everybody we knew, whether it was in finance or advertising or hospitality or lifestyle, and asking them, do you see the value in this? Would this be a service that you used? And so as we started to hone our marketplace into this specific vertical, which is advertising, marketing, and finance, We worked with companies that were willing to answer questions for us, that had projects that were small enough and nimble enough that they could be part of this discovery process with us. So at the beginning of the first clients that we worked with were not online at all. We wanted to prove this 
concept without spending an enormous amount of money on development. Mm -hmm. So we actually did it very old school. We had a spreadsheet, we had emails, and these first clients and members were really like guinea pigs for us. And what we did was we saw where pain points were and we, we honed the experience and then we were ready to, um, to build an MVP once we had done all of that discovery. One of the things that I think we did was that was we just sort of stumbled upon was every time we did something, we did it really thoughtfully and we did it really pragmatically. And then later we wound up reading um, a book, we wound up reading <laughs> a startup book. And we realized that what we had done was actually exactly what they say that we should do. So we were like, high five to each other because <laughs> we're like, look at us, we did it the right way. But, um, and now when I give people advice, when people ask us, you know, about starting their own careers or starting their own businesses, one of the things I'll always say is that it, it's better to start really small, to have an idea and test it out in a very small way. If we had started off the second shift and built the platform that we thought the business was going to be then, we would have had to scrap the entire thing because we have a completely different business now two years later than we thought we would when we started off. That is such great advice, and I, and I love how you're the model of how that worked. And can, can you tell me, when you started out, did you think you would be focused on finance and marketing and advertising? And did you, How different was your first idea from where you ended up? I don't think it was that it was different. It was that we wanted, we didn't, we knew that we wanted to be laser focused in the our clientele, our members. What we didn't realize at the beginning was that the more focus we were on the clients we went after in terms of businesses, the more successful we would be. We knew from the beginning that we weren't going to service the technology gig economy. There are already so many services that do that. And to be quite honest, that's not this tribe of women that we move in. We are not, you know, we don't code a full stack of Ruby on Rails. <laughs> We're brand managers who worked at, you know, Johnson & Johnson for 15 years or, you know, PR executives that worked at Condé Nast. So I come from an advertising background, so I had seen how beautifully the freelance economy works on the creative side of advertising. Mm -hmm. So when Jenny and I were, were experimenting with this idea, I said, I, I, and, and as we spoke to the, our potential clients and partners, we kept coming back to these tasks that are, I would say, more like soft skills. You can't just go out and take a class on how to learn how to be, you know, a data analysis for an advertising, whereas you can go and learn how to, you know, do, I don't know, graphic design. For us, it was about figuring out where these women had the most expertise and then honing that to tasks that lend themselves to either part-time freelance or uh, gig-based economy. It was really the supply meeting the demand. You know, that we started off wide and we narrowed, narrowed, narrowed it down until we were like, okay, here's where the majority of the people are that we have found who have the skill sets, and here's where the majority of the jobs and the need is. So that's where we focused very to begin with. And we've kept the focus really narrow, you know, as we've grown. We hope to expand to more verticals, but we have a lot to do with this one. 
Yeah. yeah. And so, so solve this problem first. Got it. And so um, what about like the length of projects or can you walk us through, you know, somebody who is, a, let's say, applies and wants to get a, a, a job with Second Shift? How would how would that go from beginning to end? For our members, how it works is you, the first step is to apply for, um, for to submit an application. It's really simple and it's basically your second shift resume. And it highlights the skills that you have and we're a skills-based website. So what'll happen is once you go through our vetting process, which um, makes sure that we have people in our network who are going to have the skills and experience level that we know will be able to do the jobs. And if you are an astronaut or if you are a welder, we're not going to have the jobs for you and we're going to have to say no. But um, if you fit the skills that we need, then you go, we'll check references, we schedule a phone call, and then you're part of our our database. Mm -hmm. And every time a job comes in that matches your skills, you'll get an email alert that says there's a new job waiting for you and then it's up to our members to pitch themselves for that work and so companies are only going to hear from people who are both available interested and experienced enough to do the job mm-hmm. and what's the timeline of the projects that you staff for is there an average or are they just all over the place it's really hard to say because it's really all over the place um, it could be anything from a month-long research project to a um, ongoing part-time CFO role for a startup to a six-month strategy spin-off for a new website to um, you know a real com- um, competitive analysis or pricing analysis for a private equity company so it's everything from 24 hours to six months yeah. or ongoing indefinitely yeah, well, they sound like very interesting roles. And are there any numbers you feel comfortable sharing, like maybe your growth goals, number of companies you work with, anything along that line? Right now, we've done about a hundred gigs. Um, wow. We've we've done a hundred, and we like to call them bookings. Just I don't know why, because we decided we needed to have our own vocabulary about stuff, because that's mm-hmm. what companies do. Um, and we I would say we've worked with about seventy companies, uh-huh. seventy-five companies up till now. Um, and our goal is to organically grow. This year we're on track to double, almost triple what we did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, our growth depends upon how quickly we build our team right now, which is what we're very deep into doing. We are working, we're very lucky that we have access to some of the most talented folks out there that are looking for alternative ways to work so you know we eat our own dog food when we need somebody to do uh, research for us a research deck for us for a potential client we go to our members when we need somebody to help us put together an infographic to explain better how our job flow works we go to our members so um, our growth will depend upon at this point how much more we can um, engage these members in becoming not only members of the second ship, but come work with us. Yeah, that's great because they're invested. So I I love that idea. And so as co-founders, how do you divide all the work that needs to be done? And what's your approach to working together? How big is your team? Um, You know, it's interesting because when we started, I don't think that either of us knew that there would be such a definitive split in roles, but it just really naturally happened that Jenny 
is in charge of all of our members, the vetting process, the very intimate process of getting to know these women, of making them part of the network, you know, having their expectations be met, and then I have taken on more of the business development role. So I spend most of my time meeting with companies and talking about what we do, and also I, um, we have a third partner who's our CFO um, that we Jedi mind tricked into coming to work with us. <laughs> and um, she has been extraordinary in helping us figure out projections and run rates and all of the things that neither Jenny nor I um, have any expertise. I'm sure we could have, one of the things that we've learned about growing a business is there are definitely things you have to gut out. You need to learn how to do them. Mm -hmm. We can get to the point where you need to get the experts in the room to help you grow and that's where we are right now. For example, you can teach yourself how to make a PowerPoint presentation, but if you want it to be, and it's a good experience to learn how to do some of the things, Gina built our very first prototype of when we want to just, you know, what's that, Weebly. Um, Weebly. So her, Gina built it, and she, it was such an incredible sense of satisfaction learning how to do it, um, some of the initial things that you're going to do, so you can really learn it one time. And then if you're not an expert, it's a good idea to bring in an expert who knows how to do things so you can free up other time um, and actually do the things that are going to be important to your business. And luckily, like you just said, luckily for us, we have an entire network of experts who um, whose success is uh, mirrored with our own success. So they're in it to help us and we then help them back. Yeah, absolutely. I can see they're rooting for you to win. And how about today? What are some of the biggest opportunities or challenges you that you face while growing your company? Well, I think we are trying to disrupt the way that businesses look at this kind of talent. We are asking companies to change the way that they look at hiring practices. We are so, so we really are creating the supply and the demand in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, one of my personal um, goals, having come from advertising, is to really get this best practices, in, uh, get, get these agencies who talk so much about their need to engage women and to keep women in the workforce in these critical career-building years, my messaging with them is if you want to work with women, then you got to figure out a different way to work. And so that is, a, that's, that is asking a lot. People have a lot invested in the status quo, but we are confident that our membership and what they bring to businesses is such an extraordinary asset that once these companies learn to work this way, um, they will be satisfied with what they get and realize what they're missing by not engaging this workforce. Um, that, that, I mean, and that's, I think that's any company that finds, uh, keep, any company that finds the question that, keep, that keeps coming up, like, why is it this way? Why is it this way? You go to solve that, you have, you're coming up against changing the way that people do business. Absolutely. That's why I was so excited to speak with both of you because why is it a traditional nine to five when everyone, you know, keeps saying the future of jobs is changing, but it seems it's not changing fast enough. So I absolutely love what you're doing. 
Well, but it is changing. I mean, our business is growing, and so mm -hmm. it is changing. And there are so many different companies that are growing really fast and don't want to add overhead mm -hmm. and want to bring in the best possible talent for that specific role and bring in somebody who has specific experience doing a task that they need done. So it is changing, and there's so much entrepreneurship going on all over the place in every different industry. And it's for us, it's just having the ability to both go after the bigger companies and explaining to them how to change their practices and then finding the opportunities in the smaller and quickly growing companies that really need us now. Yeah, that's really exciting to hear that it is changing um, because you're speaking with on the ground people who recognize that why, you know, why not hire someone for a specific project? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that we have to, we, we say to both our, our members and our employers is everyone needs to kind of be gentle with themselves in, in trying this out the first time. Um, you know, it is, it is for a lot of people, they have a lot invested in status quo. Yes. This is the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. And in smaller companies who run at things very quickly, we, we encounter different um, challenges where you think you need something today and then tomorrow you don't need it. So it's a matter of balancing out those, those very, very different ways of looking at this marketplace. And because it's very new, we learn as we go. When we experience something, we can sort of see it from the next time it's coming and change how we go into that. Uh, job or that practice with a different business. Got it. And what advice do you have for women who are, who wa want you know project based roles or want to remain um, very employable, have you know the latest skills? Anything that you see that's in demand that you would you know recommend that women focus on getting types of experience or skills? I, one of the things that Jenny and I have really learned over the past two years, and it might sound a little apocalyptic, but you just can't <laughs> stop working. You just can't. You, even if it's just one, you just do a little bit of part, like, you have, you know, whatever time you take off, enjoy it, but just keep your foot. If you like what you do, you gotta, you got to stay in it. you got to keep your contacts up because it is heartbreaking for us to be encountering women who have taken 15, 20 years off and want to now engage this way. Mm -hmm. And it is very hard to figure out where their places, especially when maybe you did have a big job that you loved. I would say also, I, I talk to women all the time, and for us, you know, the majority of the women that we're working with at the second shift are people who are currently freelancing and have their own businesses and haven't had a huge gap from their uh, in their work life. But then I talk to people all the time who want to join our membership and maybe have had a little bit longer gap in their resume. And I say, just find a job. Just go out and offer yourself for free to your father, your husband, your partner, your, you know, your best friend, and find a project that you can do. Network with the people at the companies that you used to go to. And also, if you have done things that are being the treasurer of your kid's school, don't put it in as like that's your volunteer experience. Put it in as you ran an organization that was a $3 million organization and were responsible for XYZ budgets. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's a real experience and that counts. So um, finding the opportunity on your own to create some traction and then come to us 
so we can find you find you great opportunities because as it stands you would be in our network competing against people who have you know who have 20 years of experience being a consultant or a freelancer got it yeah Oops. But and I think well, one of the things, I think it's a, um, our message, we try to make it extremely optimistic as well, is that there are so many ways to re-engage. And once again, I keep coming back to this, sorry, it's New York and there's <laughs> you know, the ambulances. Yeah. Um, you have to give yourself the time to realize this is something new and you are dipping your toe in or what it don't I mean you don't as we, we said to one client we were we were had a member event in the bay area i said look you don't start out on the black diamond like you take a bunny slope and then you figure out what it is to actually have a freelance career because you may think that this is the way you want to work so try it out first try it out with a smaller job try it out as jenny said you know with somebody that you know that can can give you some responsibilities and some deliverables and you see how you do with them. When we started our business, we tried it out on our friends. Yeah. We tried it out on the people that we knew who were trustworthy, who weren't going to judge us and that we could just see how it went without any sort of financial or um, emotional baggage that came along with like raising a lot of money from other people when we didn't know what we were doing. So we tried it out for a long time and then we saw how it went. And I give the same advice to people if you're a lawyer or if you're a marketer or if you, whatever you are, try it out for a little bit and build up your tolerance. Right now we are working crazy hours and crazy long days. But it took us a, a good year of building up the tolerance and making sure our kids were okay and getting the childcare that was necessary and really getting that reflex and that muscle going so that way now we have the ability to work you know, 15-hour days so that other people don't have to. Got it. And so actually, can we talk about your work-life balance and a typical day in your life running second shift? What work like? <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's interesting because we talk about this a lot because my kids are much older than Jenny's kids, so I'm in a very different place mm -hmm. than Jenny is. My 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 kids are um, 11 and 14, and my day goes very differently. My kids leave the house early. They're super responsible for themselves after school. They have stuff to do, but once they come home, I have big kid. You know, I have. No, I wouldn't say big kid problems, but I need to be there. I need to know if we're listening to the Smiths or we're listening to Five Seconds of Summer because that will tell me what mood my daughter's in. <laughs> uh, so I, I am, I am, I'm off. I am, I am shut down for the hours that my kids are home and we're having dinner and before everybody goes to bed. Whereas Jenny is very in it after school. The afternoon hours for her are very packed. She has two little ones. And they get home from school, and there's playdates, and there's fun, and they're all of that. But they go to bed much earlier. So what we've done is also I keep I know I keep coming back to this like culture of kindness, but we understand what each other's limitations and what our schedules are. And I would never expect anything of Jenny, nor would she of me. That is impossible given the state of our families. I also think that we have the respect for each other where I don't ever question whether or not Gina's going to get her work done. I, feel, I think that she will get her work done when it's suitable time for her in a way that works for her and she trusts that I'm going to go off 
and sent her a lot of emails late at night when she doesn't want to hear from me. Um, we now have a rule that Jenny can't text after midnight. That level of respect, which I think is really part of this new economy too. It's, yeah. it's understanding that people are going to get their job done, that the women in our network are going to deliver 150% on whatever task they're given because they're so grateful for the opportunity to have the ability to work in the way that works for them. Absolutely. Like a lot of leadership books say, you know, tell somebody how to do and let them figure out how to do it. So um, sounds like you've... And it's interesting because what you were saying about, you know, some of the difficulties that we encounter, there, there is still in a lot of places a bed check mentality. A lot of companies, you know, a manager will, uh, will walk the floor to see who's at their desk. And there is, even in the startup entrepreneurial community that Jenny and I have found ourselves as a part of, we, we in some ways we don't fit in at all, but... It is that, you know, I was at the office from six and I stayed all night. Like, awesome. I can't understand what you were doing there because if you, you, I, I, I don't understand what's more important than sleeping. Like, sometimes we're on a sprint. But it's this idea that, of the constant sprint, the constant pressure that I think we are beginning to see the backlash. And it's why so many people want to work this way because – the other way has not proven to make anybody really feel great. Yes. One of the things I hear often from the members when I, I have a call with each and every person who we let into our membership, a lot of it is I, it's the commute, it's the time away from my family that is a waste of my time. And, you know, I want to work from home one day a week so I can have a little more time for myself and I'm going to get the same job done. I'll just get it done in a shorter period of time. Why do they trust me when I'm traveling for my job, but they don't trust that I'm going to do the same job if I'm on my own schedule? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'd love to get into a little about your previous jobs because you both had these amazing, um, rich careers. Jenny, you were a television producer and on-air reporter and Gina, you... Um, we're director of development and I mean you've done so many things can we talk a little about how your previous roles and how they prepared you for what you're doing today sure um, I, I can I can go first um, I've been thinking we've been thinking a lot about that about especially when we talk with younger members who I, I can't believe that there are women who get in touch with us deep mid into their career because they're so ready for the next stage in their life um, whereas when I was 25 years old, I was certainly not thinking about how my career would roll out after I had kids. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I thought I wanted to teach. Um, I went and got an MFA every time I got up in front of a classroom of the most lovely um, private school kids in New York. I would like black out and see stars and it scared me to death. <laughs> and so when, so I, I, I got in as you do, I got into advertising and I was really lucky and I had an extraordinary experience and worked on an amazing account and I was privy to some of the best minds in advertising and then I fell in love with this boy that worked on Eleven and he asked me to move to this weird place I'd never heard of called Seattle and I got out there and I had to reinvent my life because before then it was before really Microsoft, it was really before Amazon, it was before Starbucks, it was before this whole startup thing. There really wasn't an advertising community to speak of. So I, you know, I hustled and that's kind of the genesis of this whole second shift idea when Jenny and I began talking about it. I hustled a lot. 
I hustled whether I did this director development job or I became director of a new business for a startup or I started another company and sold it and then I had my own consulting business and the hustle is exhausting hmm. mm-hmm. and part of what we would joke about when we started the second shift is the ROI and the hustle sucks hmm. and so if I can take that pain away from these incredibly talented women and just give them jobs. How awesome would that would have been? I would have been so thankful to have had something like the second shift when I was deep into trying to figure out what the next gig was going to be. And look, I was lucky enough to have a husband that was very supportive of it. I was lucky enough to know a ton of people. And I mean, pretend that Seattle is like the middle of the Pacific Ocean, but I was also in a town where you can hustle. Yeah. And you know, I'm curious when people say hustle, like I think hard work, how would you define, you know, when you say you hustled all those years? Yeah. I got to have a coffee with you to figure out what the gig is. And then you got to go like, well, we think we want to do a brand campaign, but we want to use social media. Well, that's great. Here's my proposal. Oh, well, we're not doing that anymore. And we're going to take a break. And and in all that time, like you're getting a babysitter and you're sitting in traffic driving to have the meeting and you are then reaching out to more contacts. And for me, that's what the hustle, I just, I, you're always on, you're always dancing. Got it. Yeah. And so when I met Jenny and we started talking about this, it was, we may be working really hard right now and we may be hustling in the traditional sense of the word. But it's a far different thing than not actually knowing what the next gig is going to be. Got it. And Jenny, what about you? Um, I worked in, I was in journalism for 10 plus years in everything from being a one-man band uh, reporter in the Bronx to um, hosting a talk show at Hamptons to, you know, uh, Good Morning America. And... Um, for me, I mean, I'm a phenomenal researcher, and I really know how to talk to people. And so one of the things I, when we said the roles have fallen out in our company, and I deal with all the members, uh, and I love talking to them. It's a huge joy for me is spending 15 minutes onboarding people because I really love talking to people. I'm really curious, and I really like learning about what makes, what drives people. And that's part of the training of journalism. Um, and then I, as one might do after working nights and weekends for a really long time, I burned out when my first son was born and simultaneously my husband got into a, a starting businesses and entrepreneurialism and we basically lived and ate and ate and breathed it for six years. And that was a hugely beneficial education for me, learning how businesses work and how you start a business and watching from, you know, right behind the dugout, seeing how exactly how it happens, um, and then having the ability and the self-confidence to start something on my own and to see you know, how fun it is, but how much hard work it was, and I didn't have any unrealistic expectations. Got it. And what it, can you tell us about, I read about you started a vintage captain line based, inspired by your grandmother's travels. I'd love to hear more about that. That was, I will say, that's another thing when I talk to entrepreneurs and, um, you know, I've had lots of different ideas over the years um, of different kinds of businesses that you could start. And one of the things I learned is that 
sometimes they're great and sometimes they fail. And you need to do a lot more research than I did where it was just, when I started my this clothing line, it was like, I want to make two dresses because I have these patterns and I want to make them, they had holes in them. There were these vintage caftans for my grandmother. And I said, I want to remake them. So I remade them and I was like, this is great. I'm going to make more and then I'm going to make more and I'm going to make a business without having any real knowledge of what that entailed besides making pretty dresses. And um, it was also like in 2007 when the entire world collapsed. Ah. So that was a really good lesson for me on how bad it can be, how badly it can go. I also had have had other ideas where I spent the time actually doing the research and creating business plans and seeing how it would work before I just jumped into it and realizing that, you know, this was a too big of a commitment. It would require too much money or, you know, where's the market for this? And now, and not doing that, um, taking on those projects or doing those businesses when I realized, okay, well, here's the projections. It's really not going to work. And it's how, why it's so important to have a business plan and really think things through. Okay. So when looking back on the, on the clothing line, do you think you maybe should have done more research? Would that have been the lesson learned when you look back at that? I I think I should have done it smaller and slower. Got it. Mm -hmm. Which you did with second shift. So (laughs) I I didn't have the knowledge to do that. I just sort of jumped into the deep end with Mm -hmm. something without really having an idea of what it meant um, and how hard it would be. And if I had done it differently, if I look back on it now, I would have done it differently. I would have done it more second shifty. I would have been smaller and more organic and tried it in a way where, um, you know, there was far less to lose. I think both Jenny and I had experiences. I worked for a startup that was the epitome of the first tech bubble. Um, we did ev- they did everything wrong. And I watched them spend an enormous amount of money on development without taking a moment to ask questions. And I think with Jenny, with, with her experiences, so when we came together on this, one of our very first epiphanies was we are not spending any money on technology until we know what we're doing. Hmm. We're not asking anybody to support us or give us any money until we know that this is going to work. So I held off on asking for people we both did until we knew that there was something there, that this was, uh, this could be a really big business and a successful business. At that point we had the confidence to ask people to support us because now I feel 100% confident in this business, A 1,000% confident in this business. Got it. And you both are so amazing. What I'd love to hear about some early influences of family, where you grew up, um, anything to comment on that one? I thought about that. Um, I would say, never having thought about this before, that my early influence was my grandmother, Moppy. She was a woman who did everything. She worked her whole life. She raised a family. And as she was like taking tap dancing classes until she was in her 80s. And she was in the gym. And she really figured out how to balance being a phenomenal parent, a phenomenal grandmother, sister, um, family member with a full-time career until her 60s. And then taking time to do other things. She loved theater. She loved uh, working out, going to the gym, and taking dance classes, and she was just a force of nature, and she was a huge inspiration in the fact that you can do everything. She was like a date, <laughs> and I want to be like that, and I want to be a role model like that to my kids. That's beautiful. 
Uh, God damn it, I have nothing like that to say. Yes, my mother is a huge influence on me. But I also think that in some ways, I see my, my mom, I, you know, I grew up in the West Village. We were like socialists. My dad was a shrink. My mom was a teacher business, I got involved in advertising, but I think that one of the things that I was always cognizant of with my mom is that she grew up in this era where you didn't ask for too much, you were very happy with what you had, mm -hmm. you know, she went from my grandfather's house to my father's house, um, and then when my father passed away, very suddenly, I saw her struggle a bit because no one had ever asked her to stretch her muscles professionally in anything that maybe made her uncomfortable. There was a, there was a lot of self-doubt. And one of the things that I feel so blessed is that I was able to ask questions and perhaps fail at some of them. And there weren't ramifications. I, I have to say, I give a lot of props to my husband. There were no ramifications ever in anything that I tried that he ever made me feel like I failed. Mm -hmm. He never made me feel stupid. He never told me to not go for it. And both of our husbands are extreme cheerleaders for what we do. I mean, they we joke that they are like, you know, the, the, the closeted member. I shouldn't say that. They are the <laughs> secret members of the second shift. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, are there... That they're just waiting for us to sell the business because... As Jenny's husband says, he, he and Eric just want to sit on a beach and quote unquote ideate. They just want to think of stuff. <laughs> sounds sounds yeah. wonderful. Um, are there other causes or that, you, that inspire you or where you'd want to be more involved given the time or Yeah, we are we Jenny and I talk about the myopic nature of our lives right now where we are very, very focused on the success of our business. And I feel less guilty about that than I might have because we are a mission-driven business. Our mission is a real right-to-work issue. So I feel like regardless, every day I come in and I am trying to make somebody's life easier or better. But they're definitely, like as Jenny said, we have flexed the muscles that we realize like this is it for a little bit. Yeah. We are very involved in our children's lives, obviously, but we also have to give ourselves the gift of realizing that you can't host a table anymore and you can't do the phone-a-thon anymore. And we need to give ourselves the gift of a little bit of time where we just focus on what we're doing. That being said, we are definitely involved in what's going on this election cycle, professionally as well as personally. And um, I would say that we have 600 plus women who are our biggest inspiration and our biggest cause. Absolutely. I, I feel a tremendous yeah. sense of responsibility to help people create a better work life because I hear their stories and I feel it as a mandate for us to go forward and I feel that that's a, that is something that makes us work harder and really try to do this for them and for us because our success is theirs and theirs is ours. Got it. Any resources you you use or read um, to continue learning and improving in, in your in your field? You know, it's one of the things that's been a great a, a great resource that we've discovered, and our, our our CFO Kemp is probably the biggest champion of this. Is we all do listen to a lot of podcasts, whether it's 
Broad Street or Startup Broad or Mike. Broad Mike or there's, you know, just even listening to NPR has so many great, interesting business stories and, and that can be that can be pretty inspirational. Um, I know very early on both Jenny and I dug into that lean, the Lean Startup book, which um, Jenny had alluded to earlier on, and that was that was a real okay. We're, this is not made up. We're, we're we're starting a business and we're doing something. Then these are the rules, and okay, it looks like we've been following the rules. Um, but I think that one of the other inspirations that we get is we're lucky. We meet a lot of entrepreneurs too. We meet. We're, we work in this amazing workspace here down, like we're we're Chinatown, Soho, and Little Italy meet in Manhattan. And there are there are small companies that we work with on our floor, and we're very invested in each other's success. Yeah. Um, anything else that you want to share with us before we uh, end this call? And it's been so amazing to learn about your business and uh, absolute, we're fans of everything that you're trying to accomplish. Um, I think the thing that we, we're just so pleased that there are reporters like yourself that get what we're doing and are helping us spread this message. We, we could not be more thankful for this opportunity to um, speak to your listeners. I just, you know... Just as Jen just just keep swimming. <laughs> yeah, I think our two biggest messages are on on one side, just to keep swimming, stick with it, like tread water, and just keep going. Don't make decisions that have lasting impact on your life at a very specific and very um, emotional moment in time because that will pass. Your kids will get older. The, you know, you're, if you're dealing with a sick parent or you've moved to a new place and you feel like you're, you can't juggle it all, the moment will pass and you don't want to have made any decisions that are going to negatively impact that. And then on the flip side, you know, we really hope that people pay it forward. If you're listening to this and you're in a position to hire somebody through our network that you can help to create that opportunity for them, and get you're the also best. laying, you get the best, but you're also laying the groundwork for if at some point in time you choose that you might want to, you know, take off ramp for a while in your own career, you're creating that culture now by paying it forward. Got it. And on that note, ways to find you, reach out to Second Shift. You can always email us at info at thesecondshift.com. Um, we're very, very communicative on email, and we're happy on Twitter and Facebook, and we're very happy to um, talk to people who want to talk to us. Yeah, there's a really good coffee shop downstairs. That's <laughs> really good macadamia nut cookies that I'm going to go get after this. So we're always happy also to, like, grab a coffee and... One of the things that's been a joy about this job is, you know, meeting and talking with so many different people, especially um, especially when the stories are so diverse, but also there's a common theme. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've started following your blog, and I, you know, I recommend others to also to keep hearing those stories and um, absolutely rooting for your success. And can't wait to see you keep uh, doubling and tripling in growth. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm so pleased that we were able to figure out so I could talk to you today. (laughs) Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to subscribe on iTunes and it would be great if you could leave us a review. We can't wait to share our next show with you. Until next time.